Chapter 4, verses 13 through 24 of Catina Aurea, Commentary on the Four Gospels, Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers, Gospel of St. John, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 13 through 18. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up unto everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said well, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. Chrysostom. To the woman's question, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? He does not reply, I am greater, lest he should seem to boast. But his answer implies it. Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. As if he said, If Jacob is to be honored because he gave you this water, what wilt thou say if I give thee far better than this? He makes the comparison, however, not to depreciate Jacob, but to exalt himself. For he does not say that this water is vile and counterfeit, but asserts a simple fact of nature, viz., that whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Augustine which is true indeed both of material water and of that which it is of the type. For the water in the well is the pleasure of the world, that abode of darkness. Men draw it with the water-pot of their lusts. Pleasure is not relished, except it be preceded by lust. And when a man has enjoyed this pleasure, i.e. drunk of the water, he thirsts again. But if he have received water from me, he shall never thirst. For how shall they thirst who are drunken with the abundance of the house of God? But he promised this fullness of the Holy Spirit. Chrysostom, the excellence of this water, viz., that he that drinketh of it never thirsts. He explains in what follows. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. As a man who had a spring within him would never feel thirst, so will not he who has this water which I shall give him. Theophylact, for the water which I give him is ever multiplying. The saints receive through grace the seed and principle of good, but they themselves make it grow by their own cultivation. Chrysostom, see how the woman is led by degrees to the highest doctrine. First she thought he was some lax Jew. Then hearing of the living water, she thought it meant material water. Afterwards, she understands it as spoken spiritually, and believes that it can take away thirst. But she does not yet know what it is, only understands that it was superior to material things. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Observe she prefers him to the patriarch Jacob, for whom she had such veneration. Augustine, or thus, the woman as yet understands him of the flesh only. She is delighted to be relieved forever from thirst, and takes this promise of our Lord's 
in a carnal sense. For God had once granted to his servant Elijah that he should neither hunger nor thirst for forty days. And if he could grant this for forty days, why not forever? Eager to possess such a gift, she asks him for the living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Her poverty obliged her to labor more than her strength could well bear. Would that she could hear, Come unto me, all that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. Jesus had said this very thing, i.e., that she need not labor any longer. But she did not understand him. At last our Lord was resolved that she should understand. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. What meaneth this? Did he wish to give her the water through her husband? Or because she did not understand, did he wish to teach her by means of her husband? The apostle indeed saith of women, If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. But this applies only where Jesus is not present. Our Lord himself was present here. What need then that he should speak to her through her husband? Was it through her husband that he spoke to Mary, who sat at his feet? Chrysostom. The woman then being urgent in asking for the promised water. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, to show that he too ought to have a share in these things. But she was in a hurry to receive the gift, and wished to conceal her guilt. For she still imagined she was speaking to a man. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Christ answers her with a seasonable reproof, exposing her as to former husbands, and as to her present one whom she had concealed. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Augustine, understand that the woman had not a lawful husband, but had formed an irregular connection with someone. He tells her, Thou hast had five husbands, in order to show her his miraculous knowledge. Origen, may not Jacob's well signify mystically the letter of Scripture, the water of Jesus, that which is above the letter, which all are not allowed to penetrate into. That which is written was dictated by men, whereas the things which the eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, cannot be reduced to writing, but are from the fountain of water that springeth up unto everlasting life, i.e. the Holy Ghost. These truths are unfolded to such as carry no longer a human heart within them, are able to say with the Apostle, We have the mind of Christ. Human wisdom indeed discovers truths, which are handed down to posterity, but the teaching of the Spirit is a well of water which springeth up into everlasting life. The woman wished to attain, like the angels, to angelic and superhuman truth without the use of Jacob's water, for the angels have a well of water within them, springing from the word of God himself. She says, therefore, Sir, give me this water, but it is impossible here to have the water which is given by the word, without that which is drawn from Jacob's well. And therefore Jesus seems to tell the woman that he cannot supply her with it from any other source than Jacob's well. If we are thirsty, we must first drink from Jacob's well. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. According to the apostle, the law is the husband of the soul. Augustine. The five husbands, some interpret to be the five books 
which were given by Moses. In the words, He whom thou now hast is not thy husband. They understand, as spoken by our Lord of himself, as if he said, Thou hast served the five books of Moses as five husbands, but now he whom thou hast, i.e., whom thou hearest, is not thy husband, for thou dost not yet believe in him. But if she did not believe in Christ, she was still united to those five husbands, i.e. five books. And therefore, why is it said, Thou hast had five husbands, as if she no longer had them? And how do we understand that a man must have these five books in order to pass over to Christ, when he who believes in Christ, so far from forsaking these books, embraces them in this spiritual meaning the more strongly? Let us turn to another interpretation. Augustine. Jesus, seeing that the woman did not understand and wishing to enlighten her, says, Call thy husband, i.e., apply thine understanding. For when the life is well ordered, the understanding governs the soul itself, pertaining to the soul. For though it is indeed nothing else than the soul, it is at the same time a certain part of the soul. And this very part of the soul, which is called the understanding and the intellect, is itself illuminated by a light superior to itself. Such a light was talking with the woman, but in her there was not understanding to be enlightened. Our Lord then, as it were, says, I wish to enlighten, and there is not one to be enlightened. Call thy husband, i.e., apply thine understanding, through which thou must be taught, by which governed. The five former husbands may be explained as the five senses. Thus a man, before he has the use of reason, is entirely under the government of his bodily senses. Then reason comes into action, and from that time forward he is capable of entertaining ideas, and is either under the influence of truth or error. The woman had been under the influence of error, which error was not her lawful husband, but an adulterer. Wherefore our Lord says, Put away that adulterer which corrupts thee, and call thy husband, that thou mayest understand me. Origin. In what more proper place than Jacob's well for exposing the unlawful husband, i.e. the perverse law? For the Samaritan woman is meant to figure to us a soul that has subjected itself to a kind of law of its own, not the divine law. And our Savior wishes to marry her to a lawful husband, i.e. himself. The word of truth which was to rise from the dead and never again to die. Verses 19 through 24. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Chrysostom the woman is not offended at Christ's rebuke. She does not leave him and go away. Far from it. Her admiration for him is raised. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. As if she said, Thy knowledge of me is unaccountable. Thou must be a prophet. 
Augustine. The husband was beginning to come to her, though he had not fully come. She thought our Lord a prophet, and he was a prophet. For he says of himself, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country. Chrysostom, and having come to this belief, she asks no questions relating to this life, the health or sickness of the body. She is not troubled about thirst. She is eager for doctrine. Augustine, and she begins inquiries on a subject that perplexed her. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. This was a great dispute between the Samaritans and the Jews. The Jews worshipped in a temple built by Solomon, and made this a ground for boasting over the Samaritans. The Samaritans replied, Why boast ye, because ye have a temple which we have not? Did our fathers, who pleased God, worship in that temple? Is it not better to pray to God in this mountain, where our fathers worshipped? Chrysostom. By our fathers she means Abraham, who is said to have offered up Isaac here. Origin. Or thus, the Samaritans regarded Mount Gerizim, near which Jacob dwelt, as sacred and worshipped upon it, while the sacred place of the Jews was Mount Zion, God's own choice. The Jews, being the people from whom salvation came, are a type of true believers, the Samaritans of heretics. Gerizim, which signifies division, becomes the Samaritans. Zion, which signifies watchtower, becomes the Jews. Chrysostom. Christ, however, did not solve this question immediately, but leads the woman to higher things, of which she had not spoken till she acknowledged him to be a prophet, and therefore listened with a more full belief. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. He says, Believe me, because we have need of faith, the mother of all good, the medicine of salvation, in order to obtain any real good. They who endeavor without it are like men who venture on the sea without a boat, and being able to swim only a little way are drowned. Augustine, believe me, our Lord says with fitness, as the husband is now present, for now there is one in thee that believes. Thou hast begun to be present in the understanding, but if ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. Alcune. In saying the hour cometh, he refers to the gospel dispensation, which was now approaching, under which the shadows of types were to withdraw, and the pure light of the truth was to enlighten the minds of believers. Chrysostom. There was no necessity for Christ to show why the fathers worshipped in the mountain and the Jews in Jerusalem. He therefore was silent on that question, but nevertheless asserted the religious superiority of the Jews on another ground, the ground not of place but of knowledge. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Origin. Ye literally refers to the Samaritans, but mystically, to all who understand the scriptures in a heretical sense. We again literally means the Jews, but mystically I, the Word, and all who conformed to my image obtained salvation from the Jewish scriptures. Chrysostom. The Samaritans worshipped they knew not what, a local, a partial God, as they imagined, of whom they had the same notion that they had of their idols, and therefore they mingled the worship of God with the worship of idols. But the Jews were free from this superstition. Indeed, they knew God to be the God of the whole world. 
Wherefore, he says, we worship what we know. He reckons himself among the Jews, in condescension to the woman's idea of him, and says, as if he were a Jewish prophet, we worship, though it is certain that he is the being who is worshipped by all. The words, for salvation is of the Jews, mean that everything calculated to save and amend the world, the knowledge of God, the abhorrence of idols, and all other doctrines of that nature, and even the very origin of our religion, comes originally from the Jews. In salvation, too, he includes his own presence, which he says is of the Jews, as we are told by the apostle, of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came. See how he exalts the Old Testament, which he shows to be the root of everything good, thus proving in every way that he himself is not opposed to the law. Augustine. It is saying much for the Jews to declare in their name, we worship what we know. But he does not speak for the retrobate Jews, but for that party from whom the apostles and the prophets came. Such were all those saints who laid the prices of their possessions at the apostles' feet. Chrysostom. The Jewish worship, then, was far higher than the Samaritan, but even it shall be abolished. The hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He said, and now is, to show that this was not a prediction, like those of the ancient prophets, to be fulfilled in the course of ages. The event, he says, is now at hand. It is approaching your very doors. The words true worshippers are by way of distinction, for there are false worshippers who pray for temporal and frail benefits or whose actions are ever contradicting their prayers. Chrysostom, or by saying true, he excludes the Jews together with the Samaritans. For the Jews, though better than the Samaritans, were yet as much inferior to those who were to succeed them, as the type is to the reality. The true worshippers do not confine the worship of God to place, but worship in the spirit. As Paul saith, whom I serve with my spirit origin twice it is said the hour cometh and the first time without addition and now is the first seems to allude to that purely spiritual worship which is suited only to a state of perfection the second to earthly worship perfected as far as is consistent with human nature when that hour cometh which our lord speaks of the mountain of the samaritans must be avoided and god must be worshipped in zion where is jerusalem which is called by Christ the city of the great king. And this is the church, where sacred oblations and spiritual victims are offered up by those who understand the spiritual law, so that when the fullness of time shall have come, the true worship, we must suppose, will no longer be attached to Jerusalem, i.e. to the present church, for the angels do not worship the Father at Jerusalem. And thus those who have obtained the likeness of the Jews worship the Father better than they who are at Jerusalem. And when this hour is come, we shall be accounted by the Father as sons. Wherefore, it is not said, worship God, but worship the Father. For the present, the true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Chrysostom, he speaks here of the church, wherein there is true worship, and such as becometh God, and therefore adds, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. For, though formerly he willed that mankind should linger under a dispensation of types and figures, this was only done in condescension to human frailty, 
and to prepare men for the reception of the truth. Origin. But if the Father seeks, he seeks through Jesus, who came to seek and save that which was lost, and to teach men what true worship was. God is a spirit, i.e. he constitutes our real life, just as our breath, spirit, constitutes our bodily life. Chrysostom. Or it signifies that God is incorporeal, and therefore he ought to be worshipped not with the body, but with the soul, by the offering up a pure mind, i.e., that they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Jews neglected the soul, but paid great attention to the body, and had various kinds of purification. Our Lord seems here to refer to this, and to say, not by cleansing of the body, but by the incorporeal nature within us, i.e. the understanding, which he calls the spirit, we must worship the incorporeal God, Hilary, or by saying that God being a spirit ought to be worshipped in spirit, he indicates the freedom and knowledge of the worshippers and the uncircumscribed nature of worship. According to the saying of the apostle, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Chrysostom. And that we are to worship in truth means that whereas the former ordinances were typical, that is to say, circumcision, burnt offerings and sacrifices, now on the contrary, everything is real. Theophylact. Or because many think that they worship God in the spirit, i.e. with the mind, who yet held heretical doctrines concerning him, for this reason he adds, and in truth. May not the words too refer to the two kinds of philosophy among us, i.e. active and contemplative, the Spirit standing for action, according to the Apostle, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, truth on the other hand for contemplation. Or, to take another view, as the Samaritans thought that God was confined to a certain place and ought to be worshipped in that place, in opposition to this notion, our Lord may mean to teach them here that the true worshippers worship not locally, but spiritually or again, all being a type and shadow in the Jewish system. The meaning may be that the true worshippers will worship not in type, but in truth. God being spirit seeketh for spiritual worshippers, being the truth for true ones. Augustine. O oh, for a mountain to pray on, thou criest, high and inaccessible, that I may be nearer to God, and God may hear me better, for he dwelleth on high. Yes, God dwelleth on high, but he hath respect unto the humble. Wherefore, descend that thou mayest ascend. Ways on high are in their heart. It is said, passing in the valley of tears. And in tears is humility. Wouldest thou pray in the temple? Pray in thyself. But first do thou become the temple of God. End of chapter 4, verses 13 through 24.